This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. Come to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray and I'm not really sure why everybody's suddenly so hyped up on Endgame. I mean, it was a pretty decent episode of Voyager, but it was like 18 years ago. (laughs) 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 And sitting across the virtual table from me is a guy that has more cameos than Stan Lee, Mr. Rick Tatro. How's it going, sir? Excelsior! (laughs) And our uh, our friend from the Big Apple, Mr. Christopher DeFilippis. How's it going? It's going well, you hippies. Make love, not war. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we do this thing on the show from time to time where uh, I'll consult the random fact generator and just get a few random facts and ju- just some talking points to break the ice and get the show started. But tonight I decided that we're going to have five random movie facts. And there's not a movie fact generator, so I just I found five random movie facts, <laughs> and I'm just gonna read them here on the show, and uh, we can uh, comment or react as uh, warranted. So, number one, Scream was originally titled Scary Movie. <laughs> that mm-hmm. slightly scandalous. Wait a minute. Oh, that's the wrong uh, description. Anyway, they were originally gonna call it Scary Movie. And then the the, uh, the the parody of Scream ended up being called Scary Movie later on. Did that turn out to be an intentional thing? Did they know that the working title was Scary Movie? I have no idea. I have no idea. That's a good question. <laughs> Someone call I'll the Wayans. I'll ask the Wayans next time I see him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> uh, number two, uh, Toy Story 2 was almost deleted. Uh, a command that was entered into the master machine where the animation for Toy Story 2 was stored deleted 90% of the work that the Pixar team had done on it. As uh, Mental Floss describes, a plan was quickly hatched to restore the data from a regular backup, which meant that only half of a day of work would have actually been lost, but the backup system had failed. Pixar incredibly did not have a copy of the Toy Story 2 files on its servers. Fortunately, one of the film's, techni- te- the film's technical director had a copy she had been working on from home, so much of it was re- was restored. Yeah, so. we technical directors saved the day again. <laughs> <laughs> so we almost lost Toy Story 2. I'm, uh, I'm sure somebody lost their job over that. I'd, somebody had you would, to. You would think. You would or think. their severed head is over a wall, over a doorway somewhere <laughs> at Pixar. <laughs> Yeah, it would. It's hard to imagine that something that I mean, because you're not talking about just you know some small project. This is a multi-million dollar movie, and you just didn't back up the files. <laughs> uh, number three, the wallet in Pulp Fiction was Quentin Tarantino's. Uh, 
So uh, Jules' wallet in Pulp Fiction, the one that said Bad MF'er on it, uh, actually belonged to the director. He picked it up because it's a reference to the 1971 film Shaft. And as it happened, Samuel L. Jackson would go on to play the character uh, that inspired that wallet in the 2000 remake of Shaft, and he's going to be playing Shaft again in an upcoming film. Uh, Shut your mouth. <laughs> he's one bad mother. <laughs> um, number four, there were 10,297 balloons in Up. The animators who created the pack of balloons in Up actually created every single one. The film's effects artist, uh, John Reich, told Tech Radar that the entire canopy is filled with balloons. We, we didn't just uh, simulate the outer shell. And they even got a specific count of exactly the number of balloons, 10,297. Let's be clear. There weren't any balloons. You know. <laughs> no. But they're, they're saying that they actually physically animated. Even the balloons that you can't see on the inside, they animated those balloons. I'm going to call shenanigans on that. And even if it's not shenanigans, I'm going to call, like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, who cares about any of this stuff? <laughs> uh, and number five, the two least profitable films both take place on Mars. Uh, if you're looking to score big box office bucks, stay away from Mars. The two biggest money losers of all time take place on that planet with the 2012 sci-fi bomb John Carter holding the number two spot with a loss of almost $127 million outdone only by Mars Needs Moms from a, a year earlier, which lost its studio more than $143 million. Wow. We... John Carter did not deserve that fate either. It, that was not a bad movie, but the executives totally screwed the pooch on that, and someone should have... So, yeah, someone hopefully <laughs> lost their job over that. I've never seen it, but I have heard that it's not as bad as uh, as what it's uh, the credit that is given anyway. Well, what happened, as far as I know, I haven't verified any of this, but you know the 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 rumor mill or whatever uh, said that it was originally going to be called John Carter of Mars. And then some exec went, "Who the hell's John Carter? No one's going to know what that is." Oh, and God. and uh, um. Oh, no, I can't remember what exactly, but it was it was the decision was to take of Mars out of the title, mm -hmm. and then it was just you know nobody knew what the movie was about, nobody knew who John Carter was, you know, so pretty much the only people that saw the film were nerds like us who were like, oh, I know that that you know book from Edgar Rice Burroughs and stuff, but uh, it just it it you know it was not a classic by any stretch, but it yeah, was a fun yeah. movie. It was certainly as good as, if not better than Independence Day. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I did read um, a lot of the Mars books because they were all in public domain. And when I had um, long lunch hours in my former life, I would read and I, I burned through a bunch of those. And I maybe it's the maybe it was the marketing. Maybe it was whatever. I never had any interest in watching that film. And if you're telling me, Rick, that at least it's it's worth a watch. That's news to me because I think wasn't it sort of panned? Well, the I I mean I don't recall exactly. Um, yeah, I heard it, it wasn't great, uh, and I you know I won't argue with that, but I don't 
think it was anywhere near as bad as a lot of movies that did a lot better. Um, you know, and I after the movie came out and after we saw it, then uh, my wife and I went on a long drive uh, and picked up the audiobook of The Princess of Mars, uh, which is the first one. And they stuck pretty close to it for the most part. Um, Except they were wearing clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they wanted to have uh, the, the, the main female character naked, but, uh, you know, Disney might have had a little problem with that. Maybe. <laughs> um, can I just can, – can I back up for a second? Sure. Rick, uh, Rick Sean, before when I said, yeah, who cares, I wasn't, like, being a dick about the fact. <laughs> I was being a dick about, like, who cares that they're animated inside? Like, why would they do that? It's a waste of time. I don't know if – I mean, I'm not – an animator so uh but <laughs> but i i would assume that it has something to do with the movement uh, the way that it moves that it, they can make it look more realistic if they animate each and every single one of them I so that they're each if they're each moving independently then mm-hmm. it would cause the entire canopy to to move if you noticed there was a theme to all of those uh those five films that i brought up they're all owned by Disney. Yes, Pulp Fiction is owned, was a Miramax film, so it was owned by Disney. Um, tonight's episode focuses heavily on Disney. The name of this episode is going to be All Hail the House of Mouse. Uh, we're going to talk some Star Wars. We're going to talk some Marvel. We're going to talk a little Disney+. Plus. Uh, so, okay, I want to put this out there first and foremost. We're not going to... Review Endgame tonight. I know Endgame, as of the time that this uh, episode comes out, Endgame's been out for a little over a week. And as of the time that we're recording it, Rick hasn't seen it yet. Going tomorrow morning. Yeah, I don't want to give away anything. So, and I know, Chris, you saw it last night, right? I did. I did. Okay. I didn't get home until uh, quarter to three in the morning. And um, my my three-word review, it was four-word review. It was worth it. <laughs> the, so so later on in the show we are going to talk some some marvel stuff but just keep in mind that rick hasn't seen endgame yet so you know <laughs> run it whatever you say run it through your mind before you say it because <laughs> i don't okay. want to i don't want to ruin anything for rick and next what i plan is that next week we'll do an episode where we just do a spoiler filled review of endgame so no, it won't be four hours long. <laughs> My review episodes tend to be longer than the than the actual movies, but I don't think with that one went. That's a three hour movie, so there's a lot to unpack. So. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't drink much if you're going to see Endgame. Don't don't drink a giant soda. At least don't drink it before you go in. Uh oh yeah, the Run P app went down. I don't know if yeah, there's so many people using it or what, but uh, the guy that was uh, the guy that runs it, uh, he did put a couple of tweets out letting people know that a couple of spots in the movie that you could go to the to the restroom or whatever, but he didn't have the full app up. You so that kind of sucked because <laughs> it would have been helpful in a in a film like that. Well, the movie broke a billion in it. You know. Already. Three days, yeah. So I think a lot of people were seeing it at once. I'm not surprised their servers uh, exploded. There are theaters that were open 24 hours a day to uh, accommodate everybody that wanted to see the film and see it multiple times and and all that. Oh, well, we're going to the 10 a.m. show, and that's the earliest I've seen a show in a long time. 
Yeah, we saw it at 9.30 Saturday morning, and the theater was full. That's yeah. why I try to go at, at, at the latest show I can find on a Sunday night, preferably a school Sunday night, not a vacation <laughs> Sunday night. Yeah. Because I just I, I can't stand being in a theater full of kids. Maybe it's just being old and crotchety. But the only time I really enjoyed seeing kids in a Marvel movie was at the end of the first Avengers. When uh, can we spoil that one? Not the first Avengers, but sure. uh, what was oh, what Infinity was the one War? called Infinity War? Thank yeah. you. Can we spoil that? Sure. Yeah, we've already talked about that one. When Thanos snapped his finger at the end, and um, I might have said this on the show before, but there were like two little kids in front of me. And I was just like, why are they here? Why? It, it was like 9.30 on a Sunday night. And I'm like, what are these parents doing? And then, I, you know, when the lights came up, they, they were two little kids dressed in their Black Panther outfits. And they were heartbroken. They're like, he, he lost he and I was just like, wow. And I realized then how important sort of that representation was yeah. um, to be up there on screen. And if you're going to take your kids, maybe that was the only time you could take your kids. And I, my, my heart grew three times the size that day. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes it's just the only time that the parents themselves can can get to sometimes you just don't have a choice <laughs> yeah you, no that's just me being totally totally yeah. douchey like if i could i would just have an empty theater theater to myself then that's 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 me <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there are a lot of theaters that have started having adults only viewings of every movie even rated g movies they have adults only viewings of those really yeah and mostly in bigger cities i'm surprised i mean i'm surprised the theaters in new york don't do that but um, uh, you know, th- there could be some. Um, I think ever since the porn theaters went out of business, though, <laughs> it's been pretty much general audiences. I'd, I'd be surprised though, because there are so many theaters around here. I mean, within five minutes of driving from my house, I had the choice of seeing this thing in four theaters. So I, I was just picking and choosing which show I thought would be the best, which seats I could find online that were the best. And I know a lot of people don't have that kind of choice. You know, and that was just local to me. I could probably have seen it if I wanted to drive even further and, uh, you know, any number, like 20 theaters. It's yeah. just because we have that, that kind of population density around here. We only but, have we only have one theater in Birmingham where you can reserve a seat. I mean, you can buy tickets online ahead of time, but mm-hmm. you can't reserve the seat that you want to sit in except for that, that one theater. And well, it's the furthest one from my house, so I very rarely go there. But I, I never do it that way because there's a theater that's one of the – I think it is the last independent movie theater on Long Island right a mile from my house in Sayville. And most of their shows are five bucks. So mm-hmm. unless it's an, a giant event movie where I want to see it on like a really terrific screen, I'll just run up to Sayville and I'll see any movie for about five bucks. Yeah. Um, again, that's when I used to have time to do those kinds of things. Now, you know, I have to make the time. That's, and, what, um, that's what we yeah. did. We, we we have a theater close by here that's five bucks. We had a drive-in, and it went out of business last year, so that sucked. I actually said that they're closing for renovations and that they were going to reopen, and then they announced last week we're not going to reopen. <laughs> Aww. I think the last movie I saw on a drive-in was Back to the Future 3. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was... I mean, it was great. It was it was convenient because it, it was within about five miles of my house, and uh, with with the baby, it would have been great, you know, because mm. you don't have to worry about him 
causing a, a a noise or whatever to interrupt people that's trying to watch the movie because you're in your car, you know, and he can go to sleep, you know, whatever. So I was really looking forward to them opening back up in time for Endgame, and then they just announced, no, we're not opening back up. We sold it. We sold the property to somebody else. So, hmm. and they're not going to use it for a drive-in. They haven't said that. I'm assuming they're not going to use it for a drive-in. <laughs> you should start a uh, Indiegogo campaign. Save the Birmingham drive-in or wherever it is. <laughs> it's, I think it's called the Coyote Drive-in. Um, okay, so and let's talk about the... just write themselves. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the uh, Star Wars Episode Nine trailer that came out a couple weeks ago. So Really? Never heard of it. The Actually, quote-unquote, the <laughs> teaser trailer... I don't know about you guys, but what they call teaser trailers now are not teasers. They're just trailers. Yeah. Because a teaser is supposedly something that you put out when you don't really have a lot of footage yet. You haven't, you haven't filmed a whole lot of the movie or it's, or it's not finished. And uh, you, like I watched the uh, over the weekend, I, I was watching some trailers and I saw the original teaser trailer for Star Trek Generations. And all it was was they showed the insignia on the screen and then some really quick clips that told you absolutely nothing about the movie. Just like Data laughing and Picard pointing and, you know, that that's about it. I think Shatner was riding a horse. That's it. And uh, That's pretty much the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And then that's uh, – but, but that was a, a teaser. You know, it just lets you know that the movie's coming. It's going to be – Six months from now, we're not finished with it, but we want to let you know it's coming. Now, now they put out these Star Wars trailers. They're like three minutes long. They spell out a lot of key points of the story to tell you what the movie is about. It's just a regular trailer, but they're still calling it a teaser. Uh, well, I think maybe you can consider that that trailer a teaser because it is a lot of quick cuts and scenes without context. So it kind of fits that mold you were talking about, Sean. It's just grander now. And they have Leia's theme prominent mm-hmm. in it. Anyway, that's, it sounded like Leia's theme to me when I was in the theater last night and I saw it. And it was – does Luke – I guess Luke's theme is the main Star Wars theme, right? It's yeah. da, 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 da. – but Leia's theme is so much more introspective and so much it, – it's just a nicer piece of music. And to put – I think that over this teaser is sort of doubling down on the the nostalgia factor of everything that that is gone from the franchise. Um, the fact that Luke is basically a Force ghost now, speaking in uh, basic uh, voiceover. Um, you do have a scene of Carrie Fisher hugging was it Ray? Yeah, yeah, and. You know that that is her last appearance on screen anywhere for anything. So, yeah. and then of course they they flash to Billy D in the Falcon with Chewie. So it's it's the, they're really hammering home that this is the end. And I don't know what the hell the movie's about at all, except for the fact that it's the last of of the original trilogy so to speak that that whole that whole storyline it's it's the last of the saga films at least for right. now they they keep saying it's the last of the saga films i think they'll eventually get back to the saga it may be 10 years but they'll eventually get back to the saga uh they're going to they're going to go off and do some other stuff 
they're going to do another Star Wars turn. I, I, I think they've announced that they're going to take a break for a while, but um, because they're going to focus on some of the TV stuff that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But um, but yeah, I, I, I seriously doubt that we will never, ever, ever have a movie that focuses on the Skywalker saga ever again. But see, that's and it's a confusing title too because it's the last of the nine. Yet it's called with the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and people are speculating about that. They're saying that it's called Rise of Skywalker, and they're saying that it's because Ray's going to find out that she's a Skywalker or whatever. Personally, I think that Skywalker is the name of the the Jedi Order that Ray starts up. And she names it Skywalker, so it's Rise of Skywalker, the the Jedi Order. Could it be Luke ascending into the next life? It, I mean, it could be, but he already he did that in the last movie. <laughs> no, no, no. Getting all metaphysical. <laughs> I know that that's not the only scene of Carrie Fisher that's going to be in the movie. They talked about they had uh, they had a lot of stuff from uh, the Last Jedi that they didn't use. So oh, I I understand that, but I mean you didn't get one shot of Luke in that trailer at all. Yeah, but you did get a shot of Carrie because yeah. I think they're they're not wanting to. I have a theory that Luke is going to be back physically. I know you know he disappeared in the last movie. Everybody says he's going to be a Force ghost. I think that they're purposely not showing us because we're going to see some kind of physical Luke in this movie, and they want it to be more of a surprise. So, we'll probably, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get three or four more trailers before the movie comes out. (laughs) (laughs) True. And then, of course, there's the the big reveal, if you want to call it that, the the laugh at the end of the trailer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Palpatine. Because when I heard it, I was like, is that Palpatine? And then, like, immediately, uh, J.J. Abrams confirmed, yes, Palpatine is in this movie. Well, and Ian McDermott was at the Star Wars uh, celebration. Yeah, and, uh, he not not just attending. He was, you know, they brought him out on stage as soon as that they they showed that trailer and uh, like, yep, he's in it. And so, of course, people, <laughs> uh, you know, there are just fan holes losing their ever loving tiny little minds about trying to figure out how the hell that's supposed to be. I'm like, have you ever seen a Star Wars movie? Yeah, really. <laughs> you don't need to sweat logic, dude. Just, just they, yeah, there's it. there's a hundred a hundred different ways that I could come up with right now. <laughs> yeah, wasn't Darth team. Maul cut in half and yet he's he's fine. He's he all yeah, back. he's all over he rebels and <laughs> clone wars. He was at, at the end of solo and uh um uh, I think in the in the books, which are not canon unless they decide to make it canon, you know, they, they've been bringing different aspects of the books into the movies and making them canon. And in some of the books, uh, Palpatine has a bunch of clones out there, so he's he shows up all the time. <laughs> so I guess uh, he could he could uh, show up as a clone or something like that. I keep hearing repeated over and over and over. J.J. Abrams has to fix what Ryan Johnson broke. And, you know, that's not really a fair statement because uh, Ryan Johnson, he directed Last Jedi. He wrote the screenplay. But the way these movies work, they give you a a book and said, this is what has to happen in this movie. And then you write the screenplay. And then 500 people have to approve that screenplay. And then you've got 
a hundred producers on set approving everything that you do while you're filming the film. So to say Ryan Johnson broke it and J.J. Abrams has to fix it is not fair because Ryan Johnson just did what Disney told him to do. <laughs> but that's that's plain wrong because J.J. Abrams broke it and Ryan Johnson came a long way to make it compelling and interesting again. And now J.J. Abrams is going to come back with the same sensibility that ruined The Force Awakens. He's going to go back, well, The Force Awakens wasn't ruined. <laughs> I don't know. I, it was a rehash. Uh, you know, no, that movie, no, I'm not going to, we're not going to have this argument. That movie does not stand up. It's as simple as that. And it's because it, it, it suffers from the J.J. Abrams flaws. I mean, and he's got a whole hatful of things that he falls back on that ultimately fail when it comes to cinematic storytelling. So uh, in my opinion, so to, to say that he needs to come in and fix what a, a more competent filmmaker did to make the characters compelling and give them an arc and have them grow is just utter nonsense. I, I, you know, I don't disagree with you about, you know, the, the Force Awakens was was totally safe, and there were no risks taken. I enjoyed it, and the whole time I was enjoying it, I was like, you know, this is this is a complete ripoff, uh, but it was done well enough that I enjoyed it. I think JJ is really good at building roller coasters that are fun to ride on. And then you walk away and you're like, I, I, that really left me with nothing, but it was fun to ride. Um, I liked uh, The Last Jedi a lot more, even though it was a far more deeply flawed film, because um, it took risks and it took well, chances. Um, yeah, it, it, it had it, exactly what you said, Rick. It took risks. Therefore, it had the chance to be flawed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I... I think that Star Wars and J.J. Abrams are a good match, uh, much better than Star Trek was. Um, you know, and I, I, I honestly don't know what to expect from The Rise of Skywalker, which at this point I think is a stupid-ass name. <laughs> but, you know, not knowing what the context of it is, it's, it's really hard to say. But, uh, um, you know, I'd like to see him stick the landing. I'd like to see, to, to, to see a satisfying end to this 40-year trudge <laughs> like two and a half movies were really worth watching out of the out of the entirety i don't know i just i, I think that when you have a scene where the hero uh, that everybody loved most even more than luke han solo gets stabbed through the heart by his own son and i felt absolutely nothing that is a deeply flawed movie yeah so, yeah all right rant over <laughs> um but other stuff that's going to be in the in the film that we saw in the trailer, you know, Ray is really good at the Force now. She backflips over <laughs> over a Tie Fighter. Uh, Kylo's going to put that's his mask point back on. Resume. Good at the Force. Yeah. <laughs> Kylo's going to put his mask back on. Billy D's back as Lando. I don't expect him to do very much <laughs> other than sit in the cockpit and and yell. Yeah, that you know that's my big thing with Star Wars is after. The, the, the prequel trilogy essentially broke my heart. You know, I, I never went so far as to say, like, George Lucas raped my childhood, like a lot of people were saying. But it was like, okay, these movies suck, and they're sucking harder with each one. So any expectations I had for, for good filmmaking out of Star Wars were dashed 20 years ago. So mm. now if it just entertains me uh, and doesn't insult me, 
uh, I have a good time. I I really didn't expect to like Solo, and I had a blast with Solo. I thought that was a lot more fun than it deserved to be. Well, I, I enjoyed Solo, and I got really panned. And Sean, oh, you yeah. were talking about how they were talking about taking a break. I, I remember re- reading an article where I, I don't know if it was the president of Disney or the woman that they put in charge of Star Wars specifically, Catherine Kennedy. Catherine, Catherine, Catherine Kennedy. Um, she either said it was going to be at least one, if not two, Star Wars movies a year in perpetuity forever. Like they they had the IP and they were going to ride that IP because they knew that the fans like anyway they they thought the fan. Um, Hunger was insatiable. And then, again, this weird, like the solo curse. Uh, Han dies in the the first reboot film, so to speak, and that fails to resonate. And then a story all about Han's backstory is the one that everybody pans. I mean, that's that's where they found the bottom. It, it was weird to me because I don't think Solo was in itself a bad movie. And I'm wondering, like, why it got such backlash when people seem to love The Force Awakens so much more, and it's 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 an inferior film, but that's 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 me. That was when you started having people, uh, when people are able to go on Rotten Tomatoes and 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 review a movie before it even comes out. You know, yeah. the, then you know you're just you're just setting movies up to fail, and uh, I personally don't think that they should be able to do that. You you should not be able to review a movie that hasn't even come out yet. They've, they've changed that too. Yeah. They've, they've eliminated that particular bit of functionality. I, I, but you know, I, I've never really used Rotten Tomatoes as anything other than an after-the-fact. Oh, what what did people think about it? Because I, I haven't listened to a movie review to, to decide whether to see a movie or not in, I don't know, since newspapers essentially went away. Um, because if I'm going to go see a movie, I'm going to go see it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and you know, maybe it's because of you know because of my age and my my uh, uh, you know situation. Whereas you know the the days of my just kind of going, hey, let's go to a movie off the cuff. What the hell are long gone? So any movie I go to now is you know premeditated and usually planned well in advance. So I haven't sat down with a newspaper to go, let's see which movie is getting decent reviews today that mm-hmm. we didn't see yesterday. That we won't see tomorrow, you know. It's uh, so maybe I'm not the best judge of this anymore. But if a if a review site has the power to totally torpedo a film's uh, profits, that's way too much power. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the new uh, Disney streaming service because, uh, but we, they've had a lot of announcements lately coming out about Disney's new streaming service that they're calling Disney Plus. Uh, it's coming on November 12th of this year. It's going to be $6.99 a month, which is what I hoped for, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'll definitely be able to uh, get this. I was afraid it was going to be like $20 or $25 a month or something like that, something crazy. But uh, when it comes out, they're going to have a lot of stuff that, as of right now, hasn't even come out in theaters like uh, Aladdin, Lion King, Toy Story 4, Endgame will be on there, Episode 9 will be on there. Well, episode nine won't be on there when it launches on November twelfth because that movie doesn't come out until uh, December. But um, that would fro- be a coup. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Frozen two, Captain Marvel, Dumbo, all of that's going to be on there. And since Disney acquired Fox, they're going to be able to have all nine Star Wars films, even the six that were filmed for Twentieth Century Fox, 
and uh, a lot of the Disney back catalog, some Fox stuff like The Simpsons. But what I'm looking forward to is some of their original content. So uh, Marvel is going to be making a lot of shows for this. They're going to have a Falcon and Winter Soldier um, show starring Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. They're going to have a be like a buddy cop show. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> They're going to have a Loki uh, story starring uh, Tom Hiddleston as uh, as Loki. Uh, and then they've got uh, this, this show called WandaVision, which is uh, about Scarlet Witch and the Vision. And uh, it stars Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. And... And then we we got a lot of Star Wars stuff coming, like The Mandalorian. Have you guys seen any of the behind-the-scenes stuff for The Mandalorian? Yeah. Uh, I love his armor. Um, and I'm not a fan of Boba Fett, but I, I like I like how his helmet is much more uh, almost uh, medieval-looking. Um, I saw, the, I saw the, uh, the trailer that they showed at the Star Wars Celebration, um, which... You know, we always complain about trailers giving away too much. This really doesn't give away much at all. I have no idea what it's about other than he's a bounty hunter, bounty, bleh, bounty hunter and he gets a bounty to go after. Um, but of course, because it's, you know, it's, a, you know, it's most unusual and, and all of the, the normal channels aren't being followed. And so, I'm, you know, I'm sure that whatever the bounty is, whoever it is, is going to be cause him some sort of moral dilemma and we'll send him off on adventures and shenanigans and stuff. So like are all Mandalorians bounty hunters? Yeah, I was about to ask the same thing. Are, oh. Is the entire planet nothing but bounty hunters? <laughs> I don't know. They're Mandalorian accountants. Yeah. I think about that like with the Predator too. It's like on the Predator planet, do they have like Predator sweet, street sweepers and Predator uh, actuaries? <laughs> Yeah, you see just a Mandalorian with that helmet on just at the grocery store checking out somebody's groceries. Built-in <laughs> um, <laughs> scanner. But, Although, uh, do you, do either of you watch Star Wars Rebels? Or have uh, I, I've, I've, I've saw the first couple of seasons, yeah. Yeah, me I too. Saw, I, got, I saw, I think, the first two episodes, and I, it didn't catch my interest. The the first, I, I, I got as far as season four, and then, uh, then it lost me, but... Uh, there's a Mandalorian character in there, Sabine, and she's kind of fun. Um, but they're all sort of outlaws, so it, it fits that she's a, a bounty hunter gone good or whatever. They have um, uh, I, I was playing Angry Birds, uh, Star, the Star Wars edition. They just came out with a new one, Angry Birds Star Wars 2. And it's mostly like based on, pre, on the prequels and stuff. But after you play through all three of the prequel boards that they have uh they have they have a uh a rebels board it's angry hmm. birds rebels you know so it's pretty cool it's got like bird versions of all of the characters <laughs> and some of the bad guys you know they turn they make them into pigs and stuff like that but they've also uh this disney services also got uh some animated stuff like um they're bringing back star wars clone wars they're doing they're going to do another season on their service, and then they're doing Monsters at Work, which is a Monsters Inc. centered um, animated series, and Marvel's What If. I don't know if you ever read any of the Mar uh, any of the Marvel's What If comics. Have you ever heard of them before? I've heard of them. Yeah, I've never read yeah. them. So they're turning it into like an animated series, and I guess every episode is going to be 
like a new issue and uh and it's just it's just random stuff like uh like i think the first the first episode is supposed to be what if peggy carter had become captain america you know and they just it's kind of like uh dc does with the elseworlds where they just take a uh take a character and they just say well what if this happened a different way instead of the way that it actually happened in the story and it lets them explore new angles and stuff like that like the one where Clark Kent lands in Soviet in the Soviet Union instead of Smallville. Elseworlds? No, with uh, the DC Elseworlds, like fifty percent of them were "What if Clark landed here instead of here?" You know, <laughs> so they did that one, and they did one where he landed in the jungle, and it was basically Tarzan but with Superman powers. <laughs> and they did one where "What if Clark had landed in Gotham City?" And was found by the Waynes. So they raised him as Bruce Wayne. And then when his parents were murdered, he became Batman. But he has Superman powers. And, uh... Which, I mean, that sounds interesting (laughs) until you... When you read it, then they have Lex... They have Lex Luthor. But Lex Luthor is the Penguin. (laughs) You know? So, um... They're coming out of the gate a lot better than CBS All Access did because, you know, CBS, they just had one show. <laughs> I mean, they've still got a few. They've got a few now, but they've only got one that I watch. I, I've, I've, watch, I've watched some of the Twilight Zone. I haven't watched all of it, but they haven't, they don't have anything that's just like, I need to watch that. And this Disney service has a lot of stuff that I want to check out. You know. Yeah, I was disappointed. I tried to watch The Twilight Zone. I watched uh, I watched Terror at 30,000 feet or whatever it was, and I was uh, underwhelmed. Although yeah, it was great. That's a good way to put it. It was great to hear Dan Carlin get a gig because he was the voice of the of the, the podcast that the guy was listening to. But uh, and then I tried to watch uh, one where the, the the comedian realizes that Anytime he talks about something on stage, that something goes away. And I got like halfway through that episode. And I was like, I don't really need to watch the end of this. Um, I and I was I was reminded now. I'm I'm not saying it's a bad show, but I also realized at that point that uh, I was always more of an Outer Limits fan than a Twilight Zone fan anyway. So all of these, you know, kind of creepy, weird, otherworldly wake up and you're in an empty town and where did everybody go stories were not really my my bag anyway actually i'm going to look up the streaming disney streaming and just see what the uh what the rundown is so maybe i can speak to some things that i would like i was kind of both excited and saddened to hear that they're quite affordable because i was hoping to ignore it (laughs) but uh, it's going to be way easy for me to ignore. I just, I don't know that um, even, that's why I'm looking this up to see if there's anything that might even compel me because I'm not a Disney consumer in yeah. any way. Me either. So, but my, both my wife and my daughters are big. In right. Disney and I, I, I mean, I attribute it to the fact that I never had kids. So I yeah. never had to sit through a lot of the stuff that most parents have to sit through. And, um, I understand the appeal of Pixar. I understand the appeal of a lot of the stuff. It just never speaks to me in any significant way. The only one that ever spoke to me, even though I just dissed it before at the top of the podcast, was Up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first the first ten minutes of that film had me like you know in tears. 
Yeah. So I stuck with it for, and I thought it was good. My daughter will watch movies over and over and over and over and over. So. Oh, and now I know how my wife feels every time Marathicon comes on. I had a sister. She used to watch. I had. I still have a sister. She's still. She's still with us. Um, she used to watch Grease every single day. So, wow. And yeah, I know. I know from whence. Uh, from whence you come. <laughs> the pain is real, Rick. The struggle is real. <laughs> yeah, I was always more of a, a Warner Brothers Looney Tunes guy. So, agreed. And the thing is, my daughter hasn't seen any of that because it's not available ex- except on the Warner Brothers streaming streaming service which is not worth paying for there's a lot of there's a lot of looney tunes on youtube well, i was going to say mainly youtube is where i get all my looney tunes these days yeah there's a, if you go to walmart uh there's a lot of no sentence that starts that way ends well <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of uh dvds uh, mm-hmm. Looney Tunes DVDs because I used to buy them when huh. my kids were when my kids were younger, and it's like seven eight dollars for a, a DVD set that'll have like two discs in it, and it'll have probably thirty or forty cartoons on it. Yeah. But are are they all like the 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 pre World War Two no, really no, 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 racist no. ones? Or? No, they have. I think they go in decades, so you know, <clears throat> I don't know if they're by release date or whatever. But oh, okay, yeah. I'll check that out. I had a, a few of them, but I haven't put a DVD in my DVD player in so long that it's. <laughs> I don't even yeah, think. Yeah, mine is still sit, right sitting now. under the under the TV. I don't even know what is that for. Yeah, everything everything's available up. streaming, and you know, and I'm. My my little one almost broke my heart tonight, and I realized what a terrible parent I am because I mentioned Bugs Bunny. My wife and I were talking about Disney versus Looney Tunes at dinner, and. Uh, I said Bugs Bunny, and Sharon just went, who's Bugs Bunny? I was like, I have so failed as a parent. <laughs> yeah, because when I was a kid, uh, you know, Disney World is a 10-hour drive from where I am. But Six Flags is a two-hour drive from where I am. So we went to Six mm-hmm. Flags every summer, and Six Flags is War- is the Warner Brothers version of Disney World. <laughs> you know. Well, Disney World is an hour and a half from me, but it's also, uh, I'd have to sell the kids in order to afford to go. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah, it's not cheap. Don't don't beat yourself up, Rick. We live in a different world. I mean, you and I we're we're sort of of an age. Sean's Sean's the baby of this group, but <laughs> when when we were growing up, the only thing on TV was hours of Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Uh, followed true. by hours of the Brady Bunch and maybe Gilligan's Island. So Yeah. We didn't really have much choice in the matter. The only time Disney was ever on was on Sunday night at seven o'clock mm-hmm. and you were praying that it would be a cartoon. <laughs> And sometimes it was, and you were like, yay, and then sometimes it was just like, uh, I yeah. waited through this freaking football game and neutral of Omaha's Wild America for this. No, you talk, I'm, I'm the baby of the group, and I grew, I mean, it was the same way when I was growing up. We didn't have, uh, we didn't have Cartoon Network until I was grown, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Our kids will not have to know the wasteland that was Sunday afternoon television. Yeah, yeah. You get the Saturday morning cartoons, and you get the Sunday morning cartoons, and the Sunday morning cartoons were a lot worse. <laughs> Davey I get to, Goliath. Get to see Davy and Goliath on Sunday morning, and I will I will die on that hill, Rick Tetro. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a car, there was a cartoon that came on Sunday mornings, and it was like it was all Hannibal. It was like Hanna Barbera, but it was like all the characters from Hanna Barbera, and they were all like on the Ark. Or something like that. 
and I can't remember the name of it. And then they had like, and then they had like Hanna Barbera's All Stars or something like that. And but it, it was it was like Hanna Barbera Land or whatever on Sunday mornings. That was <laughs> that was mostly what you saw, Flintstones and Yogi Bear and stuff like that. Uh, I always just love that on Davy and Goliath, I learned that, you know, God was spelled G-A-W-D. <laughs> they all had that, that Midwest accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Marvel Studios is taking a break after, well, I mean, technically after Endgame, they're taking a break, but you still have Spider-Man Far From Home that's coming out July the 4th, or July the 5th, but they're going to release it on July the 4th. And, um, and that's... An MCU film, but it's not really made by Marvel Studios. It's made by Sony. So after Endgame, they, Marvel Studios is kind of going on a break because we're used to getting like two movies a year from them. And Endgame is the only movie they're releasing this year. So you've got in 2020, uh, what they're planning right now is Doctor Strange 2 and the Black Widow standalone movie that they've been talking about since like 2013 or something like that. Um, well, now it's finally now it's finally got like it's happening. Yeah, they're actually casting it and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then they are going to make Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, but they're not going to start filming that until after James Gunn finishes with uh, the sequel to the Suicide Squad that he had he had already signed on to it after he got fired from Disney, and then when Disney rehired him, they, he said, "Well, you know, I'm." I'm going to do this first and then I'll come and do guardians. It's like, okay. Yeah. So, which show, of, show of hands, anybody that thinks that, that whole thing was planned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't think so. That's an yeah. expensive an expensive uh, publicity ploy. But I, I, if, if it wasn't Disney, I might have uh, considered it, but I don't think Disney's going to play around with, with pedophilia and, uh, and the level of, uh, nastiness he was posting. I don't think yeah. it, Disney doesn't. Uh, they 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 enforce that wholesome image at all costs. Right. Um. Were you gonna say something else, Chris? I'm sorry. Well, I, I was just because you had inspired me, and I was telling Rick while you were off mic that I don't know what's on the Disney streaming service to get excited about because I'm I. It's not my 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 orbit, so I don't I. So I was looking anyway, um, and it looks like there's going to be a Hawkeye show, and um, I'm really happy that there's going to be a Black Widow movie, and I, and Clint and Nat are two of my favorite Avengers. Uh, for whatever reason, I just love it when they're on screen together, and I think that they always get overshadowed by the bigger names, but they're in many ways at the heart of, of the team and they have some of the best moments in the films. So any more Hawkeye for me, if it's going to be Jeremy Renner uh, reprising the role that I'm into that I'd like to see, but there's really no other details except for the fact that they're saying there's going to be a show based on Hawkeye. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to get more information about that. That might at least get me to go for a free trial to check it out. Um, they're also going to, I mean, they are going to be releasing some of their older films, but they're also going to be remaking some of their older films. They're, they're planning a remake of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> yeah, no, well, no, I'm just laughing at the fact that they're, you finish your thought because I think we might be having the same thought. Well, I, 
I personally, I was, I was like 13 when the film came out. So I have some love in my heart for that film. And, uh, I think that it's, I think that it holds up enough. I don't really think it needs a remake. Now, if you want to say you want to make a new sequel to it or something like that, I can see that, but I don't see a reason to remake that particular story. Especially since it's just, you you could easily take whatever you're planning to put in a remake and you could turn it into just an updated sequel or something like that. True. And it's funny, when I think of an older Disney film, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is not even in the, you know, Peter Pan is what I was thinking. It came out 30 30 years ago. Yeah, I know, but Disney's been putting out films (laughs) since the 50s. Yeah. You know, and 1989 to me, that doesn't seem seem like that long ago to me, 1989. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm still with the same person that I was with then, so it's like... Maybe I said still. I don't know. Um, but it's funny you say that the, the Shaggy DA. Maybe they yeah. can remake that, right? <laughs> well, it's yeah. funny. I tell I tell my students like it, oh every guys, now and then hang on. Up. I had Game of Thrones on pause and it just it just booted back in. So <laughs> if you hear a bunch of White Walkers dying, that's what it is. <laughs> you can only pause it for an hour. <laughs> um, when I try to tell my students that that Kurt Russell used to be like the the, the Disney movie poster boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it? The the, the computer wore sneakers. The computer or... wore tennis shoes. Tennis shoes. Yeah, and then they, yeah. they remade that. They remade that in the nineties with Kurt Cameron, I think. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, for t- for TV. It wasn't. It oh, okay. wasn't a theatrical thing, but. Uh, and we got Herbie, the love bug, and uh... I used to love Herbie. <laughs> he came in, torpedoed the conversation. <laughs> I, I just, I think it was the day I heard Buddy Hackett stand up after a grown up seeing him on, you know, every Disney movie that, you know, and and you know things like It's a Mad, 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 Mad World and all those very wholesome comedies from the fifties and sixties and and seventies, and then. Uh, Probably him and Red Fox yeah. were like two of the bluest comedians you could ever hear. Yeah. And uh, it's just like, wow. <laughs> it took me completely by surprise. Um, yeah, I heard uh, um, Dave Coulier doing stand-up one time, and this was after he was on Full House, which, I mean, Bob Saget's the same way if you ever listen to his stand-up. Oh, Saget is. But he's hilarious. But, yeah. yeah he's, but uh, Dave Coulier, when I was a kid, Dave Coulier was on a Nickelodeon show that called, I think it was called The Laugh Factory or something like that. And then uh, and then he was on Full House for years and years and years. And after that, I saw him doing stand-up where he was doing all of his cartoon voices, but he was cursing and he was saying really disgusting things. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that image well, you, is you, gone. You know he's the guy that Alanis Morissette was singing about in You Ought to Know. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I just <laughs> I granted I am not one who can easily judge the attractiveness of another male for the most part, but I just how that pairing ever happened is just beyond me. <laughs> but 
All right. Uh, okay, before we go into our last segment, I want to take a break. I'm going to play an ad right now and let you uh, to tell you about some of the other shows that we have available on the network. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Thank you for listening to this program and helping to support the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. Be sure to check out all of these other great podcasts that we have to offer. On Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, join Sean, John, Rick, and Virginia as they bring you the latest entertainment news. They've got you covered from Marvel to Star Wars, classic films, TV shows, and everything in between. What is Captain Game Show? It's a light-hearted trivia and wordplay thunderdome. Join John Irons as he plays a game where pop culture knowledge is not enough. You also need to have a black belt in haiku kung fu. For you fans of Star Trek Discovery, we have Discovery After Show. Every week, Sean, Rick, John, and Virginia break down the good and bad of the latest episode of the series. They compare what they're seeing to episodes of the older shows and speculate on things to come. Movie fans will love... Wait, you've never seen... Virginia's taste in film is mostly with the classics and musicals. Her boyfriend Shane loves sci-fi and action. Every week, they watch and review a film that one of them hasn't seen. It might be Die Hard, or it could be Singing in the Rain. But they're both increasing their film knowledge one movie at a time. If you can't get enough geekery, then you'll want to check out World War G. It's a podcast about all things geek. Troy, AJ, and Colton sit down and talk about the geeky news of the week. They discuss movies, TV, comic books, video games, and occasionally they have a taste test. It's a fun, entertaining podcast if you're a nerd, geek, weirdo, or anything in between. If you're a TV fan, then you'll want to tune in to Trial by Pilot. No one has time to watch every new television show. That's why Bill, Elizabeth, and Casey give their verdict on all the new shows. They judge an entire season of television based solely on the pilot episode. And we do sports, too. Wrestling counts, right? Do you remember the great legends of wrestling from back in the day? Was watching WrestleMania one of the highlights of your childhood? Join Rob and Zach as they watch and review every WrestleMania ever on Review-A-Mania. You can find all of these shows on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. Visit our website at CosmicPotato.com to find out more. Remember to like what you want and let others do the same. This is a great show, and they don't pay me to say that. Just kidding, they do. The last thing I want to do tonight is uh, let everybody talk about whatever you guys have been watching lately, and either you, you can either recommend it or you can warn against it. <laughs> you know, um, the 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 thing that I have seen lately that I wanted to bring up is uh, Shazam. Have either one of you guys seen Shazam? Um, it's been a few weeks since it came out, and I hadn't got a chance to talk about it on the show, but I really liked it. I thought that it was a lot of fun. It's got it's got some pacing issues because when Billy uh, first gets his powers, they almost bring the movie to a halt so that he can play around and figure out how to use his powers and stuff. And it's total like last action hero, not last action hero, a greatest American hero type stuff, you know. And 
you know, so, and then they do the whole kid in an adult body kind of thing. But overall, I think that it had something that's been missing from DC films, which is humor. <laughs> and yes, I know Aquaman had humor as well, but this movie, the humor actually worked. So, <laughs> hey, I liked Aquaman. <laughs> I liked parts of Aquaman, but like I said before, Aquaman had humor and no one else did. So, um, Zach, okay, Zachary, uh, <laughs> Zachary Levy or Levi, uh, he was actually really good, really good in the role. I was already a fan of his cause I used to watch him on Chuck all the time, but the suit that he was wearing, I wasn't crazy about because obviously it was padded and he did work out for the movie, but they obviously padded it with some more muscles and stuff. And when he walked, it just, it didn't look right the way that he was walking and stuff. But, um, and, but the movie was a lot darker than I was expecting. There was some, some pretty scary monsters and, uh, more violence than I thought it was going to be. I don't know why they marketed this movie in front of kids' movies <laughs> and stuff, but, uh, and parts of it, you know, seem like it was made for that audience, but then there were other parts that just, just too scary for little kids, in my opinion, so. Well, normally uh, we preview any adult movie that Sharon wants to see. My, that's my little girl. Uh, but like you said, the ads, the, the trailers for I'm having trouble talking tonight. The trailers for Shazam played before every you know every cartoon movie uh, I took her to see for like six months before the movie opened. Mm-hmm. And then all the trailers on TV made it look like the whole movie was just goofy adult with a kid's brain doing silly things. Uh, and so she kept begging to go see it. My wife wanted to see it. I had no interest in it. So we even made it, you know, if you behave this week at school, it opens this weekend. So, you know, she did her did her homework and got behaved herself at school. And my wife and she went to see it on the Saturday or the Sunday it opened. Uh, and they came, they were home less than two hours later. Uh, they had to leave cause it got too scary for her. Hmm. And, uh, I, you know, normally I blame the parents and I, I, you know, I freely admit we dropped the ball on this, but it sure didn't seem like there was any reason to feel there was a need to preview this film before taking my seven year old to see it. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I had no expectation whatsoever that there would be anything in the movie that was inappropriate for her. And then when she came home and she was like, it was really scary and, and, and they had to go, I was not at all pleased. Yeah, the bad, the bad guy seemed like he was taken from a different movie than what everybody else was taken from because yeah. it was all fun and games until the bad guy would show up and then it would get really serious and then go back to being fun and games until the bad guy showed up again and then it got really serious and scary again. So it was just up and down and up and down. Uh, so you, you really wouldn't know from one scene to the next, uh, what was going to, what, what you were going to get. So Mm -hmm. it it failed in that because I think that once you set a tone for a movie, that tone needs to ride all the way through. You don't need your, the tone of your movie doesn't need to change constantly throughout. Uh, I'm all for having a scary bad guy in a movie. You know, but don't make your movie where it's half comedy and then and then completely to the other to the other side of the spectrum after that. You know, um, 
where you're you're, you're watching the bad guy getting thrown out a window. You know, that's 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 that can be scary for a kid to see. You know, so go ahead, Chris. W- was this in any way a setup for the news that I heard last year that uh, Dwayne Johnson had signed on to do a Black Adam movie? Yeah. For DC? Yeah. The, the, see, the thing is with Black Adam, Black Adam was not the bad guy of Shazam. They used a different a different bad guy. Uh, and the reason for that is because, I, in my opinion, Black Adam's uh, origin is too complex to have him share a movie with another person's origin. Right. So, um, and Black Adam's origin is even more complex than Shazam. Uh, so they're going to do, they're going to give Black Adam his own movie, you know, to, to, to get his origin out of the way. And then they'll put him and Shazam in the same movie later on, which Black Adam kind of goes back and forth between sometimes he's a villain and sometimes he's like an anti-hero. So I think they're going to kind of go, go that way where they'll, uh, Shazam and Black Adam will fight when they face each other, but then other times, you know, Black Adam will be more of an anti-hero in, in other films and stuff. So, is, is it still a thing that we know of? Is it like the, the Rock is still on? Yeah, board he was he was listed as a happening? as an executive producer of this film, I think. Oh, okay. Well, so, there you go. That's probably something that they they threw him to to get the the contract signed. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, what have you guys been watching, Rick? You you got anything you wanted to bring up? Uh, I was going to try to look up that Black Adam thing while you guys were talking about it. <laughs> um, uh, well, yeah, I've been watching. Uh, you know, since I've been kind of on the on the on the recuperating side of life, I've been watching a lot more stuff than I normally do. Uh, like I said earlier, I tried to watch the Twilight Zone. Didn't really work for me. Um, oh, now I can't remember. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a, a series on Netflix called Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, which is uh, being touted. Uh, the, first, the What brought it to my attention was an article that said it was sort of a spiritual sequel to heavy metal, uh, you know, the heavy metal movies that came mm-hmm. out in the 80s, um, which uh, do not hold up all that well <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the test of time, at least as far as uh, uh, things like misogyny and... Uh, 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 equal rights and stuff like that. I mean, there's still some parts of, of heavy metal are a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, it was very much a male gaze oriented, uh, cartoon. Um, but, uh, so this one, this show, it, it's a bunch of 15 to 17 minute long vignettes, uh, of all very different styles, different directors, different writers, stuff like that. Some of them are really interesting. Some of them are, it's like they were written by a 12 year old, um, you know, some of them, they're, they're, they're all either gory or there's nudity or there's foul language, uh, or all of the above. Uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes the, 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 uh, the, the more adult themes, uh, are very organically woven into the story and don't stand out as anything other than what would make sense for, to, for it to be there. Then there's some where it's just like, there was absolutely no reason for that woman to be naked through the entire damn thing, mm-hmm. um, other than the fact that hey, we can do boobs. Um, so I, you know, I I enjoyed most of it, uh, and the ones I didn't enjoy, they weren't terrible. It was just you know, like the, there's one called Witness, which I thought had a fantastic premise that was utterly overshadowed by the unnecessary nudity and sex involved. 
um because the, the the you know the, the the ending was like oh wow that's pretty cool but um you know and then there's others where there were the, it was just you know the animation was incredible uh the stories were really cool some of them were very disturbing uh but you know that's kind of it's it's imagine it's it's sort of like if uh if penthouse magazine was doing their version of the of the outer limits sort of thing um which I guess that would describe heavy metal magazine. Yeah, well. <laughs> it sounds like heavy metal. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I mean, if you, you know, if you go into it knowing that it's very adult, uh, and you know, make sure the kids aren't around because there's stuff in there you definitely will not want your kids to see. Uh, it, a, a lot of it's fun. A lot of it's really, really interesting and fun. Um, I've been rewatching some old uh, Star Trek TOS episodes, going through and trying to find ones I haven't watched in forever. And, uh, like, I watched Let That Be Your Last Battlefield last night. And, uh, you know, it's really not quite the the punch in the face I always give it, give it, uh, or write it off as. It wasn't, it was a little more subtle. I mean, not the, not really subtle, but, you know, the dialogue wasn't too bad. And watching Frank Gorshin chew the scenery is always fun. Hmm. Um, also, one thing I watched the other night that really disappointed me and I was I'm sad to report this but uh, you know I was a huge Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan all through the 90s uh, and the early aughts I guess when they when they were still on and uh, a couple of years back Joel Robinson did a, a Kickstarter uh, to bring the show back and uh, did it with uh, with all new people or, or do either of you guys watch MST3K at all? Um, I mean, I've seen it. I, I, okay. I've, I've only watched like one episode of the new, the relaunch. Okay. I, um, I, I saw it when it was in its day, yeah. but I haven't seen any kind of uh, modern day iteration. Okay. I, I, you know, the the new one, it, it starred uh, as as the bad guys. It was Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. So I was like, that's a great combination. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, but it, it just you know I, I got about four episodes in and I just I just sort of petered out I just didn't watch it anymore and then uh, I was just kind of surfing through Netflix last night and there was a Rift Tracks movie now if you're not familiar with Rift Tracks it's pretty much the the main guys from MST3K have been doing uh, they've been still doing it ever since MST3K went off the air but they've been it's been it's always been like pay per view kind of thing. Yeah, where, you know, you had to pay to, to to watch it, and they they do movies that are you know a little more adult, although you know they they didn't always worry about swearing and nudity and gore and stuff like that, and so there was this one Treasure of the Amazon, which of course is a terrible movie, that's kind of the whole idea, and then Kevin Murphy and and uh, Mike Nelson and I don't know I don't remember who else it's it's like three or four of them are riffing on the movie, but there's no silhouetted robots or anything. It's just them, you know, just their voices. And through this whole two hour long show, I think I grinned once. It was Do you very think it, sad. Is it because it's not funny anymore or just because that humor you don't find funny anymore? Like, have you tried to go back and watch any of the old ones to see if you still find that funny? No, I haven't. Um, so I, you know, that 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 is a, a fair question to ask, and I've been asking myself that. Am I just is this just no longer my my thing? But I mean, remember uh, two Christmases ago, we we essentially did that to Gremlins and mm-hmm. had a great time. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I find the the premise I think is fine. I think it's just that you know these guys have been doing it too long, and they they need to know learn when to hang it up. They've got a website that you can go on, and because they they do uh, some riff tracks for films that they can't really get the uh, license for to like uh, Jurassic Park and stuff like that. Yeah. And you can go on their website and you can download the MP3 of them doing the riff track, and then you just get the movie yourself and sync it up. And, and watch it. So they've got a lot of those. I think they charge like a couple of bucks for the MP3 or whatever on their website. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a data point of one on here. So it may just have been, you know, not the, not the best, uh, not the best one they've done. So mm-hmm. I still say that the, the riff tracks version of the uh, star Wars holiday special is the only way to watch that. <laughs> you can't get through <laughs> if it. If you without, have to watch it at all. Yeah. If you want to watch the holiday special, you gotta watch the Rift Tracks version, or don't bother. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Um, yeah, it's out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably on YouTube. But Chris, what have you been watching? Well, it's really what I've not been watching. Um, now I, I've been watching Discovery, and that's the only show that I've been watching regularly every week because I. I'm a Star Trek fan, and I really happen to enjoy it, and you would occasionally have me on the show to talk about it, more than occasionally. Thanks for that, by the way. We didn't have you on the finale. What did you, you think of the finale, since you weren't on that episode? Um, I had a Overall, I loved it. I had a lot of logical problems. You guys pointed out a lot of them. I Recently, I recorded a De Flip Side uh, on Wednesday about it, and then I listened to your show on Thursday, and I was like, well, shit, I wish I would have gotten this thing out sooner because now it just seems like I'm ripping off a lot of what you guys said. But honestly, um, it's it, it, it still has my interest. I loved um, Pike's last bits. I, I liked Spock's last bits. I had a lot of trouble with some of the logic in the way it concluded. Uh, I know you guys asked some of these questions, but um, can we spoil, or is that for another? Nah, should yeah, we, go should ahead. we yeah, leave go discovery ahead. with discovery? It's been over a week, so I'd say go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, just like again, like everything that you guys asked, if if Leland and Control were completely defeated, why did they even have to go through the wormhole to the future? Oh, because canon. And the one thing that I, I did point out that you guys hadn't, um, every interview with. Every cast and crew member of that show, they they give themselves like a soft tissue injury working the words canon into every answer. Now we align with canon, syncing up with canon. Well, canon <laughs> is now satisfied. It's just like the C word is ever present <laughs> as if to say, shut, and you're going to have to drop the coin, shut the f*** up, you gatekeeping fan holes. <laughs> We're in the 33rd century now. Are you happy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, I um, uh, yeah, it's it sort of everything that's surrounding that the the fan discontent, and I say fan in in air quotes. Um, the 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 negativity that we've encountered as fans, and we've talked about on Discovery, has seeped into the web and watching it, which which kind of makes me sad. Because I'm saying, okay, are they doing that to appease this contingent or, or is this organic to the story or blah, 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 blah. So it's it's still a show that has my interest. Um, I think next season I will not read comment sections of things just so that I can enjoy it organically the way that I want to enjoy it and have only my ideas and maybe the ideas of people who I respect and, and like, like you guys, 
who always bring up like cogent points, not just bitching to bitch. Yeah. So I, I want to have a little bit more of an untainted experience with season three when it comes out. Um, other than that, like I, I feel like trial by pilot around here because it, it Rick, you said you had a data point of one with Rift Tracks. The stuff that I've tried, I've seen one episode and I've just been underwhelmed or actively disliked it. I know we mentioned Twilight Zone earlier. Um, I saw the terror at 30,000 feet and I was intrigued as hell with the whole podcast angle of it. The fact that the MP3 player he had looked like something from the 70s and it, it just a, a weird mishmash of different elements. Unfortunately, it was a story in search of an ending, and they obviously did not know how to end it. So it just just had this this stupid ending that was tacked on, and I haven't really felt the the need or had the real time to return to it, even though I love The Twilight Zone. Unlike you, Rick, I like both The Twilight Zone and The Outer Limits, but as a kid watching that stuff on The Great Sunday Wasteland or you know Midnight's on Channel 11 here in New York, um, Twilight Zone was a lot easier to get into. The Outer Limits always had much more of a buildup. You needed to invest um, a lot more mental energy in in The Outer Limits in order for the payoff uh, at the end because it was an hour long. Twilight Zone, they usually had to get to the premise of the story within within the twist. You needed to get to the twist so that Sterling could introduce it and do his whole Twilight Zone jazz, and then it would play out. Sometimes, like you said, Rick, it was you know some some jerk running through town saying, hey, everybody, where'd you go? Where is everyone? I think that was the name of the first episode, Where is Everyone? <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that could get annoying, but I, I found a lot of times that Twilight Zone, even though it had its formulas, was very satisfying to watch. So I was expecting at least that from from this reboot, but I felt like it really failed to capture just that – that certain something that the original had. And that's not even on to me, like that's not on Jordan Peele or the writers because not even Rod Serling could recapture that certain something that the original had. If you watch night gallery, it's terrible and it's all, you know, it, it's Serling front and center doing a Serling thing, but it just, it's just not a great show. I think the twilight zone was a thing of its day and to try to recapture it because it's an IP and it's a popular IP. They've tried multiple times to reboot it. Um, both on TV and uh, modern day radio shows. They did one with Stacy Keach as the narrator. I used to listen to that when I was listening to radio shows late at night on AM when I was fixing my, you know, my, my, my radios that I collect. Um, it still was never the same. So I don't know how much is, is on the, the current showrunners or how much is on me. I just think that it lacks a certain magic. Um, the other thing that I was so looking forward to, and I hate to be, I feel like Debbie Downer here, but I love the comic book, um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And I've been waiting for like the next volume to come out because I always buy comics now. I don't buy the floppies. I buy the, um, when I buy them at all, I wait for the collection so that I can get like six issues at a time and yeah. more of a book experience. Um, I was, I was so jazzed that Netflix was doing a Chilling Adventures of Sabrina series. And I watched the first episode, loved the aesthetic, loved everything about the production value. But Kieran Shipka is just terrible. Um, She's trying. God bless her. You know, she's doing her best, but she's acting and it comes through in every scene. And it just after a while, I I turned to to my wife. I said, Laura, I, I, I know you're watching this for me, but is this as bad as I think it is? And she said, no, it's worse. 
<laughs> you know? So I was like, all right, all right, so Sally Draper needs to, you know, maybe stay as a sideline character on Mad Men. Yeah, I thought that her. she was she was kind of over the top on Mad Men, but everybody on Mad Men was over the top, so it went with that. So I don't know. I haven't seen Sabrina, so I, I can't comment, but uh, as far as the Twilight Zone, I did a YouTube video where I was talking about the first two episodes. I enjoyed the first two episodes, but after that... Uh, they weren't great. The, the the one that came right after that, the third episode, was one about a woman that had a uh, video camera that when she rewound the tape in the camera, she would go back in time. And uh, that one was okay, but it wasn't great. It wasn't creepy at all, like I would expect the Twilight Zone twist to be. Um because there wasn't really, there really wasn't a twist. That was it. She would rewind the camera. She'd go back in time. And then um, the one that came after that had Greg Kinnear in it as a sheriff that lived up in almost almost in the North Pole, like way up north. And uh, it was bad. I think I fell asleep before the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Well, oh, there is one other show I wanted to bring up. I don't know. Rick, I know you don't like zombie shows. Um, if you watch, if you liked the first season of The Walking Dead, then you'll probably like Black Summer on Netflix because it's kind of what The Walking Dead was before they started. Uh, the Walking Dead started introducing characters that they killed off before you ever really got to know them. <laughs> so then you got to a point where you didn't even bother getting to know characters because you didn't know how long they were going to stick around. And then they stick around for a while and you're like, well, I'm not investing in that character because I didn't, <laughs> right. you know, I didn't uh, get to know them earlier on. But, um, but the, but the walking dead has gone on for a while and everything, but this is black summer. I watched the first two episodes. I think there's six or eight episodes. And, um, it just kind of starts out at outbreak level. You don't know what's causing this. And they're not the Romero type zombies. These are like the rage zombies. They run after you. And, uh, and if you get, if you get attacked and you get bitten, you turn into a zombie immediately. You know, it's not, it's not like you lay there for a couple of hours and then you get up. You, you get up immediately and you start chasing people. And, uh, but it's like every episode focuses on a new group of people. So it's almost it's almost anthology, and I'm I'm sure that as you watch it, it'll all come together towards the end of the season. But where I'm at right now, it's more of an anthology. So it's pretty good. I like it. So all right, well I think that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode. I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Chris, thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate the opportunity. Anytime to talk to you guys is always welcome. And uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Oh, I am a host of the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can find us at uh, quantumleappodcast.com or I think it's the Quantum Leap Pod. I don't know. Try both. The Quantum Leap Podcast or Quantum Leap. I think it's quantumleappodcast.com. And uh, you can also find me on my website at deflipside.com. There's definitely no the in that. It's D-E-F-L-I-P-S-I-D-E.com. You can hear my review of Discovery and um, just different audio things that I do for a local science fiction show here on Long Island called Destinies, the voice of science fiction. We just just celebrated its 36th anniversary on the air, so uh, congratulations Jeez. to Howard Margolin, the host of that show. Oh, cool. um, 
Uh, yeah, and you can also find some of my fiction there and, and stuff like that. So that's deflipside.com. All right, and Rick, thank you for being here as well. My pleasure. Uh, always fun to be on the show here and always fun to talk to you guys too. Uh, you can find me at uh, Starbase The Next Generation or Open the Iris, which is a Stargate SG-1 podcast or uh, uh, Infinite Diversity, which – uh, I actually, I, I will have more shows of that coming up real soon. I promise. Mm-hmm. I have one in the can. Uh, I just haven't edited it yet. Um, uh, at the Infinite Diversity Podcasting Network, um, and uh, also here on Cosmic Potato on the various uh, and sundry shows that will have me. <laughs> all right, and uh, if all goes as planned, we will be doing a big uh, spoiler-filled episode about uh, Endgame next week. I don't know who will be on it yet, because I'm sure there will be a lot of people that want to be on it. <laughs> uh, we'll see what the we'll see what the Wi-Fi can handle. Um, so make sure you uh, look for that. It'll be on CosmicPotato.com, of course. And uh, this is usually the point when I say uh, you might hear John say next time, but John's not here. So <laughs> until, <laughs> until next time, uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can contact us by email at mail at cosmicpotato.com or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast. Hey guys, let me let me let me pause for just a second. I'll be right back. Okay. No. Hi. <laughs> hey. Oh. So I see you got uh, Migo Kirk and yes. Migo Uhura. Uh huh. My Migo bones upstairs is like keeps falling off. <laughs> yeah, my now, Scotty is at, at work. Are those original? Yeah. Okay, now let me ask you: Did the uh, mission patch appliques stay on, or do you just have the, the- no gold foil? No, they fell off. Well, Uhura's... Because by McCoy still has like a white... Ah, shit, I keep forgetting to not... Oh, that's right, that's your shoulder. It, it, it's great unless I do something like... Re- gotcha. <laughs> See, she's got a little bit of hers left. Right, okay, that's kind of like my McCoy one. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of um, bluish. These were, these actually uh, were a friend of mine. She She eventually liquidated her collection and sent a bunch of stuff to me. And uh, these have been sitting in a box in her garage for, you know, 20 years. Uh, so I, you know, I don't let toys sit in boxes. <laughs> they come out, they've got to be displayed or or played with. Um, but, yeah, Kirk's is completely gone. I think Scotty and McCoy's are gone, too. I had Spock, but I, I sent him to one of my co-hosts. Um, cool. But they still have their, their little communicators and, and phasers. Yeah, I, I have the phaser and um, a tricorder, mm-hmm. which is sort of on a loop, and yeah. it used to fit over their their wrists, if I recall correctly, or even in their hands, like you, they would hold on to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it's kind of neat that I was able to find all that stuff. It's like when you don't. Oh, there he is. <laughs> hold on just a second. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> so I still want to get you on. Uh, I'm, I'm now that this. 
insanity is finally coming to an end and, and the, the, the semester is almost over and I can act well actually we're getting ready to move so there's more insanity coming up but uh, I'm starting to work on the my infinite diversity podcast right. um, so uh, if you're still amenable I still want to get you on the show uh, for an yeah, interview I mean at your leisure I'm always willing to talk into a mic I don't know what I'm going to be able to contribute but however you want me to it's- participate I will you know, it's podcasting. It's just, you know, shit talking for 30 or 40 minutes. And, uh, I can China. do that. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if we were talking about something I care about instead of Star Wars. 